0: It's Midday Magazine for Wednesday, June 28th. I'm Shelby Herbert. Petersburg's fishing season started in full in mid June with the opening of the crab and gill netting fisheries. Early last month, the town's ministerial association gave the annual blessing of the fleet. It was a celebration of Petersburg's Norwegian cultural heritage and an expression of the community's hopes for a safe fishing season. And for some, it was a time to remember. A brisk, salty wind blowing off the Wrangell Narrows cuts through a crowd gathered at Petersburg's Fisherman's Memorial Park. Pastor Lee Correo of Petersburg's First Baptist Church is listing off the names of the community's fishing fleet. Don,
1: Alaskan Girl, Alavia, Aleutian Dream, Aleutian Spirit, American patriot Angela. This is
0: part of a centuries old tradition intended to protect sailors from the dangers of the sea. In the shelter and warmth of the nearby Sons of Norway Hall, Sally Dwyer is preparing food for the attendees. She's the president of the Sons of Norway, but she goes by a few other titles around town. Well, I think you could call me a Petersburg social dictator or rabble rouser. I do sign off as social dictator quite a bit because I'm kind of bossy. Dwyer's smorgasbord includes traditional Norwegian snacks, like waffler. I've done three different toppings. I did jatoast, which is brown goat cheese. I did American cheese, which we nicely
2: call plastic cheese because it's wrapped in plastic. And then I also did some with the sweetened butter, and I put a strawberry slice on it.
0: For Dwyer, the ceremony is a way to raise hope for a safe season for people who work in and around the sea. And that includes the kids down on the dock with the life jackets and the kids in the canoes and the people in the kayaks and anybody playing on the water or making a living from the water. We want them to have a healthy, safe year. That includes fishermen like Dylan Hatfield, who just got off the St. Peter, a saner working out of the Bering Sea
1: well it's just kind of just paying respects to you know past fishermen and friends and family and people have lost at sea or whatever um, but i've definitely lost a few people over the years
0: but the blessing doesn't just honor those who died at sea back at the ceremony the names of all the community's fishermen who have died over the last year are read aloud
2: david Jewell marifern <laughs> Joel Lopez. Mark Stephen, Lorelau.
0: Then, Grant Trask leads the Sons of Norway choir in Hills me Darhjemme, which translates to A Sailor's Greeting in Norwegian.
1: Picture yourself out on a deck, either in the North Sea or in Frederick Sound, Chatham Strait, Gulf of Alaska, wherever we are, the singer is looking around and he sees a little bird flying over his boat and he says i'm out here we're making a living in fishing but we're not alone but i miss my mother i miss my father i miss my little brother so little swallow it's your job to go back to land and greet my friends from me so here we go in our song
0: There are, indeed, swallows flying around. White and gray bank swallows dart overhead. As the proceedings wrap up, Trask wanders around the memorial park, gazing at a wall of hundreds of plaques. Each one honors the life of a person in the community. Trask says the blessing is an important part of Petersburg's cultural heritage and a time to remember lost friends.
1: The immigrant story continues here in our little town of Petersburg. But as it continues, it's important to keep in mind for those who who came before us. And their names are out here at our Fisherman's Memorial Park. Stop in and say hello.
0: Are you saying hello to anybody today?
1: I've been saying hello to yeah, several people who... Uh, I can hear their voices, I can see their faces, and I can remember their character. And sometimes they've been skippers of mine or else colleagues on the fishing fleet. It's a a sweet sentiment when I uh, go and visit and remember a lot of people that have been part of my past.
0: As the crowd pours into the Sons of Norway Hall for food and conversation, a few people hang back. They toss a wreath of flowers into the water in remembrance of loved ones who have gone out of Petersburg's harbors, never to return. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. Internet providers in Alaska say federal money coming into the state, including over a billion dollars announced by the Department of Commerce on Monday, will go a long way towards helping rural communities bridge the digital divide. This comes as Northwest and North Slope communities still struggle with the fallout of a severed fiber optic cable in the Beaufort Sea. Kelly Williams, CEO of OTZ Telephone Co-op in Kotzebue, says federal funding from a previous grant is going towards construction of a network connecting Kotzebue to a fiber optic cable along the Dalton Highway. During a discussion on Talk of Alaska yesterday, Williams said he expects that to raise speed, lower costs, and provide a much-needed backup system.
2: What that will do is bring that redundancy, close that loop, so to speak, so that if the cable was ever cut again, we could bring, you know, backup capacity from the Dalton Highway all the way to all of our villages and to Kotzebue, as as well as if it went the other way, do the same thing, or if we lost a link in the middle of that network, feed from both directions
0: The funding for that project is just $30 million of the billions coming into the state for broadband infrastructure. Williams said he's cautiously optimistic about the prospects of internet build-out in Alaska, but he says it's important to make sure the money goes to the right communities.
2: There's a tremendous amount of funding, you know, and it's it's really our job, and I say our, I mean everyone who's in a, a leadership position is to keep our eye on that and try to ensure that those go to the right places and the places that need it the most. I think that's a really important thing, and we have to be vocal about it.
0: Williams added that he expects to see more conversations over whether Internet broadband is a utility and a necessity or a service in regulatory bodies like the FCC in the coming years. The outcome there could dramatically affect the way Internet service is handled at every level of government. After two weekends of fishing, John Fernan won Wrangell's 2023 King Salmon Derby with a 42.5 pound fish caught near Point Ward on June 25th. It was one of only fish, 15 fish entered in this king, year's King Salmon Derby, according to Wrangell's Chamber of Commerce, which puts on the event. Fernan will win an $800 grand prize. The leader after the first weekend, Mark Soderbur will win four hundred dollars for his thirty pound king caught near Berg Bay on june seventeenth, and a twenty seven pound king caught by Neil Soderberg near Kindergarten Bay takes third place and a two hundred dollars grand a two hundred dollar prize. On the kids ladder, Lily Stearns will take home the one hundred dollar first prize for a twenty two and a half pound king caught near Turn Island. Mariah Mork comes in second with a 15.8-pound king caught near Nemo. And Carcy Christian is third with an 11.4-pound king caught near Bend. Wrangell's King Salmon Derby this year was a pared-down affair compared to years past. There were fewer fishing days, fewer weigh stations, and much smaller prizes Wrangell's Chamber of Commerce will hold an award ceremony at 6 p.m. on July 7th at the Downtown Pavilion on Wrangell's Front Street. Ketchikan's only 24-7 homeless shelter is in the center of downtown, surrounded by popular tourist spots, homes, and businesses. During recent city council meetings, several people who live and work in the area have turned up to speak about how they feel affected by the shelter's users, who they say participate in alleged dangerous or illegal behavior on a main walkway. In the second of a two-part series, Reagan Miller reports that the city council wants to discuss a variety of ideas for change.
3: Mike Weston works at Bodden Street Brewing just down the block from First City Haven. He spoke at a recent council meeting.
2: I can can count on one hand how many times I don't have somebody coming into the window staring at me, trying to talk to me, obviously high as a kite.
3: The shelter's lease with the city expired in May, but it's complaints like Weston's that are driving the discussion around what renewing the agreement should look like. There are a lot of allegations and concerns. People being chased on streets or yelling and making passerby feel unsafe. There's been public testimony on the topic at both council meetings this month. Ketchikan's council members all had different ideas for how to tackle the topic. Some, like Abby Bradbury, wanted to see operational changes inside the shelter. She suggested reducing the facility's hours and potentially its capacity
2: capacity for me is is a big one um i understand we have a lot of people who um, are needing services right now but um there is a limit to what you know a shelter that square footage should be housing in there there is a limit there is an appropriate humanitarian number or you know square foot for people
3: Reducing capacity is one thing that staff at the shelter say would cause a real problem and could make people more aggressive as they vie for help. Council member Kissler Kissler said, allowing fewer people in would only fuel what others are complaining about, unwanted behavior on the streets.
2: And it's the same thing that's happening with the people that are being pushed out of the shelter because they're causing problems, is that they're going and they're sleeping on people's doorways. I mean,
3: where are these people going to sleep? Other ideas that were tossed around dealt with making changes outside of the building, putting up a barricade around the sidewalk or organizing a neighborhood watch in the area. Council member Riley Gass said he was happy with the services provided inside the shelter, but outside is different.
1: I think one small, solid step in the right direction would be to really put an emphasis on that small area between the building and the sidewalk.
3: Jay Matani, emphasized that he didn't fault anyone in particular, and homelessness isn't something that just exists in Ketchikan. It's everywhere, and it will take everyone to come up with a solution.
1: I'm sure reaching out to people in different communities, within our community who have experiences and who have the expertise, and at the work session, bring, come up bring something to the table so that we can discuss it and start arresting this problem.
3: But it will take time before any changes in or outside of the shelter will happen. A Ketchikan city clerk said a work session could be set in August for more discussions. Until then, the shelter is on a month-to-month lease and would need 30 days notice if that changed. In Ketchikan, I'm Regan Miller.
0: Voting is underway in the Alaska Artistic License Plate competition, which is put on by the Alaska State Council on the Arts. Alaska can now rank their favorites among the six semifinal designs on the State Council website. The semifinal license plate designs were selected by a jury featuring local elected officials and artists. Benjamin Brown is the chair of Alaska State of the Alaska State Council on the Arts. Brown says the council modeled the contest after artistic license plate competitions in other states.
1: Part of the whole beauty of the program is the visibility of the plate and seeing it and, you know, the, the, the art and celebrating the art on, on, on a moving vehicle.
0: The contest was created by the legislature in 2016, and a new bill that passed last year allowed the council to collect $3 per artistic license plate sold to raise funds for the council. Brown said that nearly as many people have already voted this year as voted during the entire 2017 competition. The Ranked Choice Voting is open until July 31st and the winner will be unveiled at the Alaska State Fair on August 26th. The winner will be awarded $1,000 and the other five contestants will receive $250. Among the semifinalists is Wasilla High School teacher Robin Lockwood. She says her digital media class worked on license plate designs and her students encouraged her to submit her own.
2: I am not an artist by trade and still have a lot of, as I saw, some of the artists who you know are my idols and people who I have their artwork up in my house. I am in disbelief that
0: I'm even in the same category as them for this um, competition. Lockwood plans to use her winnings in her classroom, Currently, Alaskans can choose from 27 different license plate designs that are available through the Department of Motor Vehicles. For KFSK, I'm Shelby Herbert.